0: Welcome to the most valuable fucking show you're gonna listen to all week.
1: If you don't know how the mailroom works, how are you gonna make good decisions about the process and the workflow for information delivery?
2: What can you consolidate and pay for once? What is it doing for me in my life? Why am I keeping it here in my life?
1: How is it supporting me
2: and being thankful for that? Who fucking cares if all the competition is going left? I'm gonna go right.
0: This is Unfuck My Business. Welcome to the Unfuck My Business podcast. I'm your host, Jinx, with my co-host, Robin. And today we are joined by Jennifer and Kathleen in uh, the first of a series of episodes about love, because it is the month of February. So we're going to be exploring some love topics over uh, the course of this conversation. And our first topic is about love, yo, business. Um I think this is probably one of the most important things that that we have to focus on as, as business owners and especially as small business owners and entrepreneurs, because this is hard work, let's be honest. I mean, there, there's nobody out there who's like, woo, my life is so much easier because I own my own business. Uh, we have to do this uh, because of the fact that we love what we do and we, we have a passion for what we bring to the marketplace and we enjoy leading this kind of lifestyle. And a lot of times when businesses start struggling, the love gets a little bit lost. There's no question about that. Much like relationships uh, when you know outside stresses are weighing down, and especially the stress of trying to keep your business going. Um, it can be a little difficult to remember the love sometimes. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. What does it mean to love your business and, and how do you cultivate that love in your business, uh, the same as you cultivate love in a relationship? Uh, I wanted to, to turn it over to Jennifer early on. One of the things when we were discussing uh, this concept uh, in advance that uh, she had added was talking about uh, documenting uh, your mission, your vision, your and your value proposition as part of that. Tell us a little bit about that, Jennifer.
3: Yeah. So I know a lot of people when they are either entering the workforce or they're starting a business, they may have a mission statement or think, oh, this is just what I'm supposed to do. And really, it's not. The mission and the vision is there to remind you why you're doing what you're doing. It's a, it's a handy thing to pull out, to constantly look at, to plaster it on something that you're always looking at every day to remind you why you started doing this in the first place. Because when that turmoil comes and you're riding in rocky waters that is what is going to reinvigorate you to keep going. So don't dismiss having a mission statement. Don't dismiss creating one and creating one that is passionate and unique to what you offer in the marketplace.
0: I love that. The topic of pivoting has been a common recurring thread in the conversations that we've had about business, but, uh, to be able to pivot, you really have to fundamentally know your business inside and out, right? You've, you have to know all the pieces of it. You have to know the skills and talents that are being brought to the table. You have to understand your resources, the landscape of your business, uh, what assets you have, the connections that you make and the networks that you build around you. And this is another thing that, you know, sort of comes up in that same sort of a relationship paradigm. The better you know your business, um, the more capable you are of, of making good pivots, Kathleen, I think uh, your approach to how you run your business has always been super interesting to me because it's so creative and it doesn't lock into any one particular direction. You have a very flexible approach to how you communicate with the market and even sort of, you know, how you express that core mission of your business. Can you talk a little bit about how well you know your business and how that (laughs) informs what you do? Yeah, I
1: mean, so my perspective from has always been know every single moving piece from the ground up and i think that's probably burdensome as you get to larger and larger companies but if you don't know how the mailroom works how are you going to make good decisions about the the process and the workflow for information delivery you know as an example so yeah i know every piece and my business is small enough that. I've either built every piece or had a hand in building it, and I've done every single job that there is. So it becomes really easy for me to pull these different ideas and different concepts from different places in my business or different skill sets and go, oh, this meshes with that really well. It's easy to put that together and send it out, or um, I know where this information is, and I know those people are going to be really happy to have access to it. So those sorts of um, mashups, I get really happy about. And usually at this point, it's mashups between um, information, transparency, and my customers.
0: Well, when people talk about, you know, good relationships sort of being about long term, not just working together, but also having fun together and dare I use the word uh, adventuring together. And, and adventure is obviously something you know quite a bit about, but I, I've i seen some really interesting expressions of that in your business with things like the bike tours, you know, um, where you have this, you know, your audience, you know, your business, you know, that a certain kind of adventure works well within that business. And and you really express that in in an actual literal way.
1: Yeah, I love doing that. And for me, it's, it's not just about knowing who my customer is, it's knowing who I want my customer to be. Because especially with the real estate business I run, a lot of those people, the process of helping someone find a house and really get clear on the kind of lifestyle that they are passionate about living and me helping facilitate that through the house they're going to be living in. There's a certain connection you develop with somebody. There's a certain trust you develop with somebody. So I have a tendency of becoming pretty good friends with my customers. That backtracks to, all right, who do I want that relationship built up with? What are the kind of people that I want to bring into my life and how do I connect with them? So providing things like the real estate bike tours that, that, Instead of being an open house that you sit at for four hours and it's kind of boring, you take this people through a neighborhood and they get to experience what it is to live there in in this active way. And then you go have beers afterwards. Well, that's all about these are the people. Can we also go to a music concert? Like, let's add that in (laughs) and then it'll be perfect. Right. So that's been really fun. And, you know, it's more about me intentionally choosing how, what the things are I want to bring into my business and my life. And, you know, I guess that goes back to like loving that life that I'm building and, and loving how my business contributes to that.
0: That's amazing. And that's, a, you know, there's, there's a passion that comes through in that when you love your business in that way that really communicates well with others. But as part of loving your business, you also have to keep an eye on all the, the business landscape around you, so to speak. It's important to know, you know, who your competition is and what they bring to the table and, and uh, you know, to make sure that you're ahead of the game on that. I think, uh, Robin, you know, as someone who helps create conversations around branding for businesses and business identity, how do you, you know, tell people they should approach that sense of learning what the competitive landscape looks like and applying that to their business?
2: I think particularly in the scope of thinking about loving your business We have an opportunity here to change the perspective on market research and looking at what the competition is doing. We're not looking at the competition from the standpoint of what are they doing bigger, better, faster? You know, we're not looking at the competition from a comparison standpoint, like, oh, gosh, look at how much farther ahead they are. Look at how much farther I still have to go. Um, your competition can tell you a lot about where the opportunities are and where your particular opportunities are. And and I'll piggyback on Jennifer's earlier sentiment of having a, a really true mission and vision for your business that is rooted in why you're here, why you're doing this work. Not only does that allow you to communicate and and become your touchstone and your focal point for your business. But it also allows you to make better decisions about your business. If I have that constant reminder of why I'm doing this work, when I'm looking at the competition and the competition is all going left, and my human instincts is to go left with the competition, I have to look at my vision. I have to look at my mission for my business and go, is that in alignment with why I'm doing this, with what I'm trying to do. And if it's not, who fucking cares if all the competition is going left? I'm gonna go right because that's what's in alignment with my broader mission. And that's what's gonna keep me in love with my business and in love with the people that I'm working with. So they can, you know, keeping an eye on your competition can help you figure out where the trends are. So you know which trends make sense for your business and which ones don't. They can keep you in alignment for where the trouble spots are. You know, let the bigger businesses step into the shit so that you can walk around it, right? (laughs) There's a lot of lessons to learn, especially if you're small and early in your business. You can look at how brands are reacting to moments in time, situations, and You can learn what to do and what not to do, which brands are handling it really well and which brands are making people go, oh, that guy, right? (laughs) Because now you know what not to do. So there's a lot of ways where we can use uh, the information that our competitors provide to inform our decision making and, and not remind us of how far we still have to go, but remind us of what we're already doing really well. A particularly great example of this is when early in the pandemic, when all of the late night talk show hosts had to start doing their shows from home, none of them knew what they were doing. All of their shows <laughs> sucked. They all had like their wives or significant others or their kids holding the cell phone, you know, to record the show. And and, and what that did was it leveled the playing field, Right. You take away the teleprompter, you take away the graphics department, you take away the camera crew, and that late night talk show host is no better than you are. And if you've been the scrappy person doing this and figuring out how to make your shit look good with your at-home equipment all these years, now you're actually ahead of them, the so-called professionals. And so I hope a lot of people realized from an audio and video perspective that pandemic kind of reminded the talk show host that like, they ain't shit without that whole team of people in this studio. They really don't know what they're doing. And a lot of us at home probably have already figured out how to do it better with our ranky dank home equipment, right? So (laughs) looking at the competition will help you realize how much of an advantage you actually have from having to use your wits and your street smarts to figure out how to do it yourself. Kathleen. Oh, and riding off of
1: that, I think it's really easy to get stuck in the weeds of your business when you're, you know, putting in so much work. You're 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 busting butt. You're you're tired, and you're just trying to keep it afloat or or make these goals that you have. Right? If you're if you're lucky enough to be succeeding right now, you know you're you're still working hard. You're trying to make every opportunity, and it's really important to step back from that. And take a look at the bigger picture of it and and this is where really bringing some love to your business is important right so instead of taking it for granted and feeling that drain stepping back and taking a look at the numbers on a regular basis you know and maybe that's once a year maybe that's once a quarter it depends for your business what's right but knowing when to keep putting energy into something and what to cut so that your energy is freed up to grow the stronger things is so important and to me that's also love right so letting something go and taking a look at at your numbers and and looking at what deserves more of your time and attention so the top 10 percent of your revenue producers right whether it's customers or product or whatever however you measure success in your business those that are easy and productive isolate those, identify those, understand those, so that you're able to put more energy into them because that is the meat of your business. And then also on the flip side, take a look at the things that are the below 10% of your revenue generators, but they're sucking up 80% of your time. Whether it's your products, whether it's your customers, you need to find a way to say goodbye to them. And it's scary because you're looking at money that's gonna go out the door, right? But test it out. Try dropping one customer. Try dropping half your product that's taking up all that time. And sometimes it's it's something that you are passionate about and you care about. You keep dragging along for some reason that doesn't serve your business, right? I've done it. But you take that, you set it aside, and it frees up so much energy that you're then able to put into the parts of your business that make you money. And when I did that in my own business, not only did my income go through the roof compared to where it was, but I had the free time, the energy to really, low right to to really step into my own and enjoy it again and be able to connect again with the people places and things around me that mattered
0: well we talk about you know in looking at the competitive landscape Everybody's sort of familiar with the trope of, you know, after a big breakup, it's time to go hit the gym and you try and lose a little weight and you clean in the house and, you know, all these sorts of things that happen. Right. And, and it's sort of a, a clearing of the accumulation of, of relationship debt. Right. Um, the things that sort of get built up and neglected along the way um, because you weren't as focused there perhaps as you should be or there wasn't a mutual working together towards a common goal or whatever the case may be. And, and of course, you know, as, as we get comfortable in certain paradigms, uh, it's easy for us to relax on some of the maintenance and upkeep type things, you know, in technology, we call it technical debt, where you've got an application that you've been working on for years and years and a bunch of shortcuts have been taken along the way and now when looking at it in totality it's like oh god there's a million things to clean out and and that all needs to be done before we can move forward you know it's interesting i'm a huge fan of gordon ramsay's kitchen nightmares because The problems that you see in those businesses are the problems that everyone sees all the time, right? And a lot of it has to do with neglect, you know, the, the amount of time that you spend house cleaning, so to speak. And sometimes that's literally a physical house cleaning. When was the last time you cleaned your office or something along that line? I mean, I'm looking at my desk in front of me, I have a new desk coming soon and I'm like, oh goodness, I'm going to have to clean all of this aggressively before we bring that new desk in, you know? But spending that time to clear out the debt of the, of the relationship with the business and, and, you know, really spending some focused time on maintenance and upkeep and house cleaning, you know, it pays off in such big dividends. You know, I, I look at uh, my main company you know, the the way that we've been able to cut costs this year and the way that we've been able to streamline and get more efficient is we, it was because we put really focused, concentrated time into cleaning up that old relationship debt, so to speak. What have y'all done from a, a house cleaning and, and uh, uh, you know, clearing out of upkeep and maintenance debt in your businesses? I'm just gonna round robin this a little bit with Robin.
2: Start the round robin with the robin. I do this periodically. I am a collector of things. I'm a gadget junkie. I'm a bit of a software junkie. And so I go, oh, I can use that in the future. Let me gobble that up. Let me collect this. Let me collect that. And so um, this is a good time, uh, speaking about loving your business to go, how much things have I accumulated? What of it am I actually using? And if I'm not actually using it, who can use it, right? And so one of my greatest joys as a business owner has been able to gift tools and equipment and software to other businesses that can use it when I'm not using it. So that's one part of it. And then the other part of that is rediscovery. <laughs> you know, when you go to clean out these things and you forgot You know, just like when you clean out a junk drawer, like, oh, I forgot I had this thing, right? (laughs) The same thing can happen with your business. When you go look at the tools and the software and the gadgets that you've accumulated because you swore you were going to use it. And then like something happened. There's a special joy in finding it in the back of the junk drawer and going, oh, I forgot I had this. And like, how can I apply it to my business now? How can I use it now? Maybe I can use it in a way other than I intended to use it when I originally acquired it or purchased it, right? So, so that's a big part of it. The other thing I like to look at is um, monthly fees. And I, I think this is, you know, we're talking about business, but this definitely applies in the personal, like what am I paying recurring monthly charges for? And do I still need to be paying a recurring monthly charge for that? Would it make more sense to switch to an annual fee? Would it make more sense to switch to something that is a pay once and never have to pay for it again philosophy? So one of the ways that my business has kept its head above water in the wake of the pandemic is I just happened to go on a tear at the end of 2019, switching everything over to pay once services. Um, so I'm not paying a monthly charge for calendar scheduling. I'm not paying a monthly charge for, you know, email or this or that or the other, right? I just, I went, I happened to go on a tear at the end of that year and go, what can I consolidate? What can I pay once for and never have to freaking worry about it again? And so that's a huge chunk of worry that I didn't have to bring into this already worrisome situation. I won't have to bring it into any future worrisome situations those things are solved permanently. So is there anything that you can look at that you can solve permanently? And and as Kathleen was talking about, like, now I don't have to think about it. I can use that brain space for something else, for deepening relationships, for, you know, doing more collaboration, for doing more lead generation, whatever the case may be. So clear out your business junk drawer. Well, what did what did you accumulate that you're not using that maybe somebody else could use? And what can you consolidate and pay for once or solve permanently so that you can use that brain space to do something much more effective?
0: Beautiful. Jennifer, you work in innovation space in finance. I imagine that there's a a, a lot to look at there when talking about doing business upkeep and maintenance. What are the kinds of things that you do?
3: Yeah, so I'll speak to the physical manifestation of it in the food truck that we have. So we regularly clean out the hoods. Literally, we have a company that comes out and cleans out the hoods. So that way, the you know, the fryers continue to work and the ventilation system continues to work on a regular basis. There's a lot of grease that comes with frying churros and empanadas. So we literally degrease it annually or on, on a regular cadence so there's a, a way that you can physically manifest that maintenance you know getting those oil changes making sure that you know there's no engine sludge accumulating in any of the engines that are operating so that that's a physical speaking back to what you uh pointed out jinx is I do work in in, uh, in my day business in the innovation and transformation space and one of the things that we do is we focus on dedicating a percent of our time to focus on maintenance. So we, in software development, we run in sprints. And when you run in sprints, of course it's easy and all of the executives and all of the stakeholders and everybody wants you to focus on the new shiny objects, the new things, and no, why are we spending any time Doing this this little thing on this legacy system that doesn't really add value, well, it all adds value. And being able to articulate and communicate how enabling your business adds value is the number one thing a business owner can do, is making sure you understand how enablement work really support and add so much value to your business. Because if you have so much technical debt or so much legacy issues, then that is going to create a negative impact. You get to a point of diminishing returns on anything that you're working on. And I would say something very simple that business owners and also I see in the corporate space where we forget is identity access management. Make sure people don't have access to your systems that did at one point that no longer work with you. So, you know, tipping my hat off to what Robin's saying, I'm gifting some software, make sure you clean that out, make sure you remove users that should no longer have access because they can really do some damage depending on the level of access that they had at some point. So, you know, those, those three things that can manifest physically, create the space, be able to articulate how you need that space and what that means to you and adding value to your business. And then also just literally cleaning out your user access.
0: Uh, it's, you know, and, and and just in listening to you th- Say that, I'm already thinking, oh my goodness, have I updated all these things and I just have this software project that I'm working on where the authentication is treated slightly different in different spaces. And I'm like, oh God, I've got house cleaning to do. (laughs) But it's, you know, that kind of stuff is so important. And I'll throw in as a side note, if you've got a WordPress website, please make sure your themes and plugins are updated. That's part of the maintenance and it's critical. And if you don't do that, you're probably going to get hacked or things are going to break. Kathleen, what kind of house cleaning do you do in your business?
1: Well, I'm going to go to something a little more esoteric, more of a mental house cleaning, right? So instead of um, the space where we get in, where it's always, uh, what can we give to the business? It's taking my time. It's taking my energy. I have to go. It's a have to. It's a must. It's a should, right? Stepping back once in a while and acknowledging what is my business giving to me? What is it doing for me in my life? Why am I keeping it here in my life? How is it supporting me and th- being thankful for that? Like bring some gratitude to that. I find that approaching life with gratitude and finding a way to bring gratitude into my daily life is really profound way of, sh- of flipping the switch. So stopping, looking at it that way, acknowledging it, it will reset. And back to the mission statement thing. Being able to do that helps you connect with your why, with your purpose, with your love of it. And then that's gonna shine through everything you do. there's a lot of different ways you can look at your business and there's always gonna be things in it that aren't your favorite thing to do. But if you can find the things that drive you, the the things that you are passionate about, there's always gonna be a nuance or a way to do that. Then that's going to give you the energy that's gonna carry you through everything else.
0: That's amazing. Just assessing the actual relationship with the business itself from a purely emotional perspective. And I think that that's a good segue to, to sort of looking at the next question. It's, you know, again, it's hard to be a business owner. And I think sometimes, especially in rough years, it's easy to get bogged down and to sort of be in this place where you just kind of talk shit about your business and not because you hate it, but just because you're frustrated and you're you're sort of locked into this mindset, you're dealing with challenges that uh, you, you don't know how to solve. And you know like one of the things that you see in businesses that are on the edge of failing frequently is that the owner has completely lost all love for the business. <laughs> you know it's really hard to maintain. A good relationship with a business that feels like it's dragging you down and sucking your fi- family finances in, and uh, you know it's not rewarding. You know, if you don't have that relationship where it feels rewarding, but sometimes, I mean, the reality is, you know, as much as we'd all love to to have a positive, successful, rewarding, fulfilling business, you're going to hit these these places in time. You're going to hit these these uh, uh, you know the the ebb of the tide, so to speak, right? Um, and and it can be really challenging um, to, to sort of navigate that space with grace and your mental state is really affected by that. When you're constantly in this negative mental space, it's hard for you to be an effective business leader and it's hard for you to, you know, to really operate with any sort of love for your business at all. The passion is gone. Um, somebody had suggested that, you know, it's important to, to speak well of your business and to sort of verbally demonstrate, um, the love for your business. Jen, you want to talk about that a little bit?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I firmly believe in is how you, you can create neuropathways that become habitual in the way that you use language. And so what happens when we tend to complain or get frustrated or speak negatively about our business, it actually embeds a neuropathway and that becomes your first thought when, you, when something goes wrong. So rather than, and yes, I don't want to dismiss the fact that people are frustrated and you should communicate that and you should vent that. But so what? You know, every excuse that you have is valid. What's next? What do you do with that? Don't sit on it. Don't stay there. So what? Yes, this happened. And yes, it's it's a completely valid reason or excuse to, to complain. But from there, you need to be impeccable with your words. And you really have to speak back into your business, the positivity that you hope to attract. And if you create those neural pathways to do that, then that's going to be an easy, habitual way of thinking when you are approaching decision-making or any other facet of your business.
0: I love that. Robin, uh, it seems to me that as someone who talks about creating a brand voice, that there's no way for a, a business owner to speak in a positive brand voice without some sort of, you know, uh, emotional connection there. How would you recommend? Trying to structure your brand voice in times when you're most frustrated and aggravated with the business.
2: We've mentioned in a previous episode the concept and the idea of using vulnerability as a marketing tactic. And when we are at those frustrated, frustrating points in our business, human instinct is misery loves company, right? So let me express that, you know, because there's a lot of marketing and branding garbage out there that tells you to tell your story, ugly, dirty, you know, happy. Don't just show them the good times. Show them all of you. Let them get emotionally connected. And like, is that true? Yes. But I think it's important to delineate that there's a difference between sharing your story in a way that allows people to relate and make emotional connections. There's a difference between that and just fucking blasting your complaints on social media for all the world to see, including your clients and your potential clients who now are thinking twice about whether they want to do business with you or want to continue to do business with you if this is the way you're going to handle a rough situation. So I think having an audience, having a few trusted advisors in your corner that you can express your frustrations with, please do that. But please think about your larger brand story and the experience you're trying to cultivate with your audience. You know, every client, every potential client is a member of the audience. And what do you want that audience to experience from you? Do you want them to experience you going, man, this fucking sucks? Or do you want them to experience, I have hit a roadblock and here's how I've overcome it so that I can continue to serve you to the best of my ability. Big difference between those two messages, they're still speaking the same truth, right? There is a quote out there, honesty without empathy is cruel, (laughs) right? And I think that goes for when we talk about ourselves as well. There's a difference between being honest about our situation and having some empathy and some care for how that honesty comes across to people, you know, share your ups and downs in a way that allows people to see how they too can survive it, right? You know, and and I don't mind using myself as an example here. I, I am a speaker. Most of my business relies on me being in rooms full of people. And guess what? Since March of this year, nobody's allowed to be in rooms full of people. <laughs> And that was not only my business, it was also my primary source of marketing. So I had two rugs pulled out from under my feet. I've recently come to the conclusion that my business as I originally built it no longer exists, right? And so it would be really easy for me to go, what now, I don't know what this is anymore. I don't know how to do this anymore. First of all, that's not true. That's just my emotional reaction to the situation. Everything is about application this moment in time doesn't invalidate all the skills and experience and things that I've accumulated in the business as it was. And so my job now is to figure out how to apply that in the business moving forward, whatever that ends up looking like, right? And I still have the ability to serve and to help people while I make that transition. There's a a woman out there, also, if you're struggling and you need to clear some mental headspace, like Kathleen mentioned, there's a great podcast out there called Meditation for Women, run by Katie Kremitzos, And I watched her stand up on stage one day and she said, let them help you build it. And that was a huge wake up call for me because we can share some of the struggles and it will actually rally our communities around us. But I would just say from a branding perspective, watch your tone, watch your overall message. There's a difference between sharing your struggle so that your community can rally around you and help you build it. And that's not the same as just blasting complaints (laughs) about the state that we're all in. So find a way to use it to move you forward and rally folks around you rather than inadvertently turning people off from Ever wanting to work with you again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, well, and I'm I'm one of those people that you mentioned, you know, who talks a lot about authenticity and in social media presence and all the rest of that. But I think it's an important distinction to remember that you have to to benefit from authenticity in social media presence, you have to be speaking as you, not speaking as the business. And like, that's the big delineator there. You know, if I make a post on Facebook, like, man, I am struggling right now. That's one thing, you know. If I make a post on Facebook, like, man, my business is struggling right now. Well, now now people who are potentially going to, you know, who would have done business with you won't, you know, and one of the most challenging things when I was building that first company was, you know, being in a place where I was financially on the edge of insolvency and losing everything and still having to communicate strength of my company in spite of that. And so, you know, it's it's just important that we keep those conversations separate. It's kind of like when you're in a relationship and you might be struggling in that relationship you can share things about, you know, your mental state or where you're at, or some of the emotional turmoil you're going through. But if you start, you know, disrespecting or trash talking your partner in that relationship, you you break down the relationship further, you know, it's it's you're, you're, you're attacking the very thing that <laughs> should be what's what's uplifting you, you know, so I think it's important to to make sure that a we keep those relationships separate, you know, or those voices separate, if you're if you're going to be out there sharing your struggle, It needs to be your struggle, not the struggle of the business. And uh, keep in mind that the things that you're communicating out there reflect on your team, your partner, your product, all the other pieces of your business that are not just you. It's very easy to, to, you know, have this sort of, you know, tip of your nose back perspective. Um, without really thinking about all of the other people and the other aspects and facets of the business that are affected by your communication. And that's certainly something that, you know, I've had to learn over the years myself because I am often wildly too honest with not enough empathy. So um, that's that's something that I've certainly learned over time. I really like this concept of, of thinking about your business in the same way that you would think about your relationships, because it's, you know, in many ways, That level of commitment to your business is the same as, you know, having that level of commitment in your relationship. And and it's what carries you through the hard times. It's what allows you to stay positive and optimistic when things aren't looking very optimistic. If you don't love your business, when the hard times come, you're going to fold because there's not going to be anything there to help you push past them aside from desperation and that's just not a good strategy for managing a business well i think as we, as we've all seen multiple times kathleen
1: in the same vein if all you're getting out of your business is money it's not enough motivation to keep going right you have to love it like you just you have to love what you're doing you have to be maybe love isn't always the right word but there's this level of commitment and interest and drive that you need to have in your business because even if you're totally succeeding with financially it's not enough it's just not enough to keep going
0: robin
2: in the performance world and when you're facilitating any sort of learning to a group same rules apply there's the concept of the feedback loop so I need to be getting something from the audience in order to give something back to them. So I give to you, you give back to me. We create this feedback loop. That's why laughter spreads, you know, that's why applause spreads, right? This, this feedback loop gets created. And um, I've watched performers and facilitators struggle in moving from live audience to online because the feedback loop shifts fundamentally, Right. So, so I bring up this concept to, to piggyback on what Kathleen is saying. Like, if it's just money, there's no feedback loop there. There's, you know, it's that emotional connection, right? So, so what's the feedback loop from your business? The, the thing that's lifting you up and giving you joy and lighting you up inside that gives you the energy to put back into the business, back into the people that you serve So that that lights them up and then they give back to you. And now we have this feedback loop that's generated activity breeds activity. And so if you're not getting anything from a other than a paycheck from your business, there's no real motivator there to put the time and the effort into it. That's going to generate the kind of emotional response from your business audience. That's going to create that feedback loop. So I love that idea, Kathleen. And I don't think we talk about it in those terms enough. You know, we talk about the ROI and we talk about long-term business plans, but we don't talk about like, you know, is are the people I serve giving anything back to me? Is my business giving anything back to me other than that paycheck? Because if it isn't, why am I doing it?
0: <laughs> well, it's funny because when you're starting a business, and for every new business owner out there, less than a year or two, you're still trying to get to profitability, you're still you know, struggling with revenue and all the rest of that, the concept that the money might not be enough will sound really foreign. But when you get to this place where a business has taken over your life and there's no emotional give back, there's no sense of fulfillment, I'm here to tell you the money's just not enough. It's I've had jobs that I've walked out of that I was very well paid, that they were throwing money at me trying to keep me there, but it was just miserable. Every single day I woke up miserable. I had to drive to an office I didn't wanna be at, work with people I didn't wanna work with, doing work that I found wildly unfulfilling and frustrating, even if I was good at it, even if I was well compensated, you know? And as, as we move into the closing here, I think that just like how we evaluate our personal relationships, Sometimes it's time for a relationship to end. And if you're at a place where you're in your business and there's no fulfillment emotionally, the money's not there, and it's just impossible, you've lost the love and you can't figure out how to get it back, sometimes the best move is to end the relationship, you know? Uh, We had Roger Curlin on as a guest a few episodes back and he talked about, you know, how overbuilt the restaurant spaces and how a lot of these restaurant owners are now coming to this sort of precipice where they have to decide, do I keep pushing beyond here or do I, you know, pull off and and change directions before I go over the cliff, so to speak. Uh, I think it's important that we be honest in our state of love for the business and and really separate it from ourselves in the same way I talked about separating a brand voice and a personal voice. You know, our egos can get very tied up in that relationship and it will lead to us staying longer than is healthy or good for us or way past when there's a good reason to be there. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, if you find that you're struggling with the love for your business, first of all, run back through those things, evaluate what your core mission is, make sure that you you understand your business front to back, um, acknowledge what your business is contributing to your life, what it isn't. Spend a little time in maintenance and upkeep. That's always a good step to take before you make a further decision on what's going to happen there. You know, really evaluate, hey, are are there some missing or broken things here that I can fix, you know, that are going to make this better? And then ultimately, you know, if you can't find that space to be positive about your business, both in word and in action, then maybe, you know, decide if this is really the right path for you. Not that you shouldn't be in business, but maybe this isn't the business or maybe this isn't the direction or maybe this isn't the partnership, whatever the case may be. So as we close out here, I'm going to challenge every one of you to uh, really take a moment and think about your business, love it, evaluate it, run through those steps and come back to the community and let us know what you think. If you're struggling with trying to find the love, reach out to some of us and, and let's talk about it and let's help you run through those questions. I'm Jinx, I'm with Robin, Jennifer, and Kathleen, and thank you for uh, this very special episode of Love Your Business, or listening to this special episode. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode. Go to
2: unfuckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show.